Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Hey there, Mono Me. This is Michelle Spivey, your practical priestess of wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. Join me on the flip because I'm going to be walking you through how to take your luck and turn it into, are you ready for this? Your destiny. What if I told you there are two factors that you can grow and learn to become sensitive to, that if you use them, and you use what we've learned about unique luck, that you can make it a foregone conclusion that that is where X hits the spot and where you will land up. So stick with me on the flip as we get into talking about turning your luck into your destiny. I'll see you soon. Hey, and thank you so much for joining me today. Let's go on and get into it. So we're going to be talking about turning your luck into your destiny. And how do you influence fate and determine your destiny? By unique actions. Now, we talked about this yesterday. If you listen to yesterday's podcast where we talked about how uh, to manufacture your own luck. We talked about the four types of luck and we talked about it's that fourth one, the unique luck that causes you to be able to do things that others can't or won't. And so today we're taking that particular type of luck, which is unique luck and showing how to work it into your destiny, meaning that it is a foregone conclusion that this is what starts to happen for you. And the first thing that I want to say is that as I've been going through this, it has caused me to make different choices that if I had looked at them just even a year ago, I'd have been like, this looks crazy. It doesn't make sense. But I'm going to also tell you something else. Um, Machiavelli's The Prince. If you go back in and, and read that with this type of understanding of luck in mind, it takes on a different flavor. It doesn't seem as cold-hearted and brutal. What it reads like is a very gifted person who has discernment, an excellent command of judgment, and an understanding from a lofty place of being able to look and understand multiple levels of how to operate. And even going back and looking at Machiavelli and how um, he produces a book kind of like as a uh, portfolio for kings and nobles and the like at the time, looking at how we are now understanding these treatises, if you will, of the different types of luck, 
It doesn't look as diabolical and it doesn't look as um, unachievable as one might think. Okay, so let's move into this now. So the first thing I'm going to say is that whole thing about how Machiavelli wrote The Prince and how he went on to tutor the princes of uh, the different lands was that he understood the need to grow your judgment muscle. And so when we talk about judgment, judgment to me is a fascinating uh, concept because judgment, as we understand it today, is where you have sound ability to discern what is fake and uh, what is truth and what is not. And so looking at judgment from that understanding, it's like you think of the law, you look at uh, judiciaries and, and the like, and you know, so it makes sense. But let me talk about, because you know, you, you know, we have to go there. We have to go back to the, uh, uh, the etymology of the word. And so back in the 1200s, judgment was uh, an act or the ability to make decisions. And it went on to be that those who had the capacity for making good decisions, they were the ones appointed uh, to try uh, uh, law in front of witnesses and the like. So it was the ability to diagnose and to, to divide what was not truth or what was not important from that which was uh, factual truthful and useful. And so that's where we got to judge and judgment. And then, you know, in the late 1200s or the late 13th century, it became where these people who had this capacity to make really good decisions, they were then also tasked with being able to impose penalties on people uh, when where their decisions had come down against them. And so it became an authority where they would be able to give a, a verdict. And because people trusted in their ability to make good decisions, their judgments of what should happen became just as powerful. Okay. And so by the next century, the 14th century, the 1300s, uh, it started being referenced as a way for an actual position of a judge uh, in reference to like a person going before the judge. And what I want to make note of here is that this is where you start to see where it wasn't the king or the nobility who were the judges as much as it was now becoming a person who was favored as having good judgment by their reputation, by that spirit, special characteristic that they had exhibited, and by means of the track record that they had lived. So we see this judgment and judge and all of these things uh, uh, work through um, the grandparents of our current language. And thus it became, now you ready for this? It became a not only a sense of discernment, but it also became an opinion. We still use that. I know in the United States, when uh, the Supreme Court rules on things and the dissenting judges, meaning the ones who didn't agree with the final say so, they give their opinion. And those opinions get, you know, uh, put uh, on record as well. And so it became known by the 1610s. Now, this is 
400 years later that we're looking at the history of this word judgment. And y'all stay with me because I'm telling you this for a reason, because we're going to look at the growth of these words of the word judgment. And we're going to look at how to turn luck into destiny by using this understanding of judgment. Okay. So by the 1610s, it says that judgment had become equated to divine allotment and was even regarded as an expression of divine displeasure. So as you can see that from the 1200s where it was somebody who had the capacity to make good decisions, then it moved on into the 1300s where it became the final say. This person had the authority to make an opinion and it be followed out based on their track record of making good decisions to the um uh, five, uh, four, uh, excuse me, 200 more years later in the 1610s, where it just became equated as divine allotment and an expression of divine displeasure, such that judgment and even those who were quote unquote judges were in um, accordance with this big cosmic um, plan. All right. All right. So thank you for allowing me to go through that. Oh, I'm sorry. There is another side of judgment that I wanted to talk about with regards to the divine side of it. So when you go through to the divine side, it talks about like a finality of death even. And so that's why you start you started to see as far back as the 13th 1300s where little peaks of this divineness started peeking through where they thought of it um, as relevance to just even the the future state of the human race, you know, based on what judgments were, were handed down and what people were up to and doing. Okay. So going back to that, thank you again for letting me, you know, have a little protracted setup for this. When you look at the role that judgment, your personal judgment, talking about you and your life makes in accordance with developing more favorability more alignment, if you will, if you're into the divine or not, uh, more alignment, what what is the most prudent, uh, what is the most um, temporal or or patient kind of way to, to go about your life, that would be where you would start to grow your judgment so that every day you started to learn to die to the self of yesterday. Now, I've talked about that in previous podcasts where one of the um, the tenements of, of great philosophy and, and even of the Stoics was that um, to gain knowledge, to gain wisdom about yourself and those around you, at the end of your day, you must have, you guessed it, a final judgment where you meditate, you pray, you, you, you collect what it was that you experienced that day. Because when you go to sleep, that is the death of that self. And when you wake up the next morning, you are a new person. Uh, even the Bible talks about each morning you get a brand new mercy, a brand new grace, meaning that you got a chance to be reborn in the morning by being a person who is new but still can access all the lessons of the person who died the night before, 
But now you have this ability to know these things. And what that means is, is it means that you are developing your, your muscle of judgment because when when you take the time to give attention to something, it grows, it shows, and it teaches you. And so because of that, you gain in your judgment when you first and foremost scrutinize yourself and understand that, okay, if I'm awake, if I got a brand new mercy, if I can breathe on my own and go and do and act, that means that the universal flow of energy or however you want to look at it, has deemed me worthy to be able to have learned from, collected, and understood what I learned yesterday because that person is no longer here. And I'm a new person with a new grace, a new dispensation, and a new way to go out and make my way in the world. Um, Even in our archetypes, if you will, um, tarot cards, there is a card called Judgment. And that card is actually the 20th card in uh, the archetypes or what we would uh, call the trumps of of the deck. So there are like 78 cards and the first uh, 22 of them are um, the archetypes. And so the 20th card is Judgment. And most of the time you see a image of a cauldron, or sometimes you see an image of an angel or Gideon's trumpet or whatever in the heavens blowing, and you see a figure rising from the dead. You can still see the dead flesh of the body, uh, but that newly updated experience of the spiritual, of the higher self is rising up toward the heavens, towards the angel and leaving that dead flesh behind. And that is the card of judgment, meaning that every day you get a brand new mercy. That meaning that once the judgment happens, that means that that is the final say so and you are to collect and understand the opinion or you are to understand the actions or the activities of what has happened. All right. So I didn't mean to take that much time to go over that, but I'm hoping that we all kind of sort of have an understanding and hopefully you're sticking with me because now this is when it gets good. So because of that, understanding of growing your judgment, learning from yourself and your surroundings every day and making a point of it, what you start to do is you start to be able to manage more of what you do and you start working towards something um, that's called deterministic or determinism. Uh, Deterministic, when you're looking at a model, deterministic means that whatever that model is, is that it can all be plotted. You You can determine where you want it to end up. Determinism, all from this word determinist or or determine, means the same, that you get to the point where you learn how to remove all of the randomness, all of uh, the things that would mutate and go awry, all of the preternatural creations that nature could spin out. Uh, preternatural, Preternatural meaning it is made of nature but it is not of nature, you know? So all those cast-offs, throw-offs, oopses, mistakes, all of those types of things. And that is because you are growing your sense of judgment. And yesterday, when we talked about this fourth type of luck, what we were saying, uh, or the the ones that came up with this, and my understanding of it as I'm giving it to you guys through wisdom, filtering through me, is that as you continue to learn how to 
make your actions authentic and work through those characteristics that you are developing and strengthening, hopefully, a benevolent reputation, you start to work with a greater sense of judgment such that you make good decisions in every action you make. And by making better and better decisions, you start turning this unique luck that hunts you down, that looks for you, you start turning it into a destiny because it starts to become deterministic, meaning that all your steps are ordered by this this almost, if we want to look at the uh, iterations of these words, by divine intervention of making you, not making you, but causing you, that's what I'll say, causing you to make the right steps where you don't have a lot of mishaps, where even if it looks awry, it always comes back around for your benefit. And so that is one of the advanced gifts, if you will, of this unique luck, this fourth type of luck that we talked about yesterday. So I got a few other things that I want to cover in here before uh, we we take our leave from each other. And one of the things is the concept of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And in this regard, when we're looking at how to make this unique luck become more and more uh, where all you have is luck, this unique luck, where it's no longer counted as luck. It's just who you are and you just live a charmed or an enchanted life. You have this wisdom and then this wisdom starts to turn into, I mean, excuse me, you have this judgment uh, or this ability to judge. And then this judgment starts to turn into wisdom because what wisdom really is, is it's the ability to kind of like, not kind of, it is the ability to have a long term focus, an ability to see far and see all of the consequences and the actions and the side um. Uh, ambushes and the booby traps and all the stuff that you could get you off course and then be able to talk with you where you are in the present to help you make moves to not fall into those uh, side ambushes, booby traps and uh, accidents that lie ahead. And that is why we love wisdom so much because half the time when wisdom is working with you, you're not going to know why. But wisdom does Mm -hmm. because wisdom has that long view of being able to figure out what's around the bend or what's up the road or what's going to happen 10, 20 years from now. And you might as well start doing this and trusting in your judgment and your wisdom, because when you get to that 10, 20 years from now, it's going to make all the sense in the world. And everybody's going to say, oh, you were just lucky. And you'll be like, no. I had unique luck coupled with uh, good judgment and uh, a propensity to listen to wisdom. Okay, that's why they always say don't despise wisdom when it is being dispatched. And they always say that you can tell um, a fool because a fool will despise wisdom. So don't be foolish. Okay, so understanding that. Not only do you grow your judgment muscle and you entertain wisdom, wisdom will start to uh, work with you. If you make a space for wisdom, wisdom will start giving you insights that that a lot of times will go counter to what your observations show. Wisdom don't care about trends. Wisdom don't care about um, what the crowd is doing. Wisdom cares about 
different points in your life that could possibly be unlucky for you. But wisdom is like, if you listen to me, if you have relationship with me where you tend to do the things that I impress upon you, you're going to have an enchanted and charmed life. Let's just face it. And because of that, this is another byproduct that when you work in this unique luck, you know, these Warren Buffett lux and Oprah lux and all of this kind of stuff, you get to the point where your judgment, because you're used to dying to self daily, you're used to taking the fish, leaving the bones, you know, leaving the stuff that will not serve you today or tomorrow and only focusing on those nuggets and that nutritiousness of your life that continues to help you grow, you start to develop a strength. And that is that those with the best judgment are almost always emotionless about it. They're very clear-headed. They don't get befuddled by emotions or even pain. When it comes to what they must do, they're able to dissect their the impediment of an emotion to look at things with that ability to have good decisions, make good decisions, okay? And like I said, the stronger and the more you make yourself into a good judgment of character, a good judge judger of um, a situation, this starts to happen, that you you don't become emotionless, you don't become an automaton, but you're able to move it out of the way so you can stay level-headed to make the right decisions. And here is the part that I'm currently still uh, working over, and that is because a lot of times when you make good dis- good judgment, those emotions are going to rise up because good judgment sometimes means that you have to cut off your interactions with peoples, with things, with habits, with places that it doesn't seem like there's anything wrong at the moment. It doesn't seem like there's ever going to be anything wrong. And in truth, it possibly would never be anything wrong, but to continue to go along this path moves you further and further and further and further away from where the best path for you would be. Now, yesterday I talked a little bit about why success is only a static point in our lives from time to time and why we shouldn't always be trying just to have everything work out as a success every time. Because the analogy I used was, is if every time you attempt something, if you always get it, that means that you will, like we said, you'll never move out of your small, out of your town that you grew up. You'll, you'll, possibly marry the first person that you ever fall in love with. You'll take the j- same, you'll be at the same job that you, you first got. Um, and, and it'll, it'll be, um, it'll stifle you. And being able to have good judgment will help you to know when it's time to say no, when it's time to be very rejoiceful about the no's you get. I did a podcast a while back that talked about how to be happy for the no's because the no's of life can save your life. The no's are what propel you forward to bigger and better things. My personal motto is no means next. Don't sweat the small stuff. I don't care how much emotionally tied you are to something. Luck, aka your destiny, has something better for you. 
yesterday, and I know I'm talking about this uh, podcast from yesterday, but I encourage you to check it out. Yesterday, we talked about even learning to replace the word luck with other words that will help you to get a better understanding or orientation to what you're dealing with. We talked about words like instead of luck, looking at chance and likelihood, and even if you want to, uh, predictability or risk, because that's what luck is in different terminologies and maybe in different um, focuses of study. But when we talked about like saying things like, um, I'm not lucky, but if you look at it, what it might mean is I'm not taking the chances that I have because luck and chance, same. Yes. You can look at them different ways. I'm not lucky can even become, I am not evaluating all of my options because that gets into predictabilities and uh, ratios of success. All right. So let's get on because I have some more that I got to tell y'all about. All right. All right. So when we're talking about judgment and the better you get at it, the more you're able to separate your emotions to become more clear headed. One of the things that emotions does, uh, emotions do, is they close our sight down. They they close down our ability to connect with wisdom and they close our ability to make clear judgments because we can be swayed, we can be influenced, and we can be duped by emotions and pain. And that means that as you become better able at growing your unique characteristics, your unique actions, your reputation, your care, and, and the things that make you you, there's going to become a time and it's going to start to happen often where you are put in predicaments where you have to make decisions as to whether or not you're going to learn to endure temporary pains, whether they be emotion driven or even physically driven to produce enduring and lasting gains. You see, because wisdom and uh, judgment working on you with this unique of luck, it's going to cause you to have to do a lot of sacrificing. It's going to cause you to look like you are stupid, look like you are not winning. People are going to look their noses down at you. They're going to say, "Uh uh-huh, you did all of that and look where it got you. You're still, you know, hustling where they might have not done that and they look to be okay. They look to be, you know, treading water with ease. But Learning to live with an elongated view, aka wisdom, of what the future holds, it will start to encourage you to make those choices and decisions that don't alleviate any current pain or suffering. And they may even look odd or unwise to onlookers or people who quote unquote love you. Have you ever had that person you're going after your dreams and they keep telling you, oh, stop all of this. Life isn't made for you to struggle this much or this long. If they don't have the telescope of wisdom that you have, of course, it's going to look like uh, unnecessary torture and suffering. But if you have a clear vision, if you work on this unique luck where luck gets to the point where it starts to hunt you down, you can turn your life into destiny, luck into destiny where you live that enchanted life. And also learn this. I've talked about this a little bit uh, uh, ago, and that is that leverage is there for a reason, and it's best used by those who understand the sacrifice that wisdom and judgment require. You 
also start to learn when you are operating this way, you learn how not to cannibalize your future gains by being duped by the shiny and the stuff that seduces you to take advantage of it now. So many times I have been guilty and many people around me have been guilty of eating the seeds of your future destiny because you thought it was the gains and, and, and the blessings in the now when that was never the case. And it takes some uh, wisdom and some uh, uh, maturation. It takes some maturity. It takes uh, uh, some suffering to be able to understand what is your seed and how not to eat it. Okay. And so with this leverage and pressure, because that's pressure, when you are forcing yourself not to enjoy yourself here and there, the leverage of what this unique action, this unique characteristics and reputation will get you is it will get you to the point where people uh, trust you and they want to work with you and it will cause you to learn to become a creator and a builder. And you'll learn to build systems, businesses, processes that help you to do more as you continue to invest in them and add into them. And then they, in turn, will turn around and reward you without producing you uh, to give you what you want the most and desire the most. You see, what will happen is, is you'll become so good at determining your actions, you know, that deterministic bent that we talked about. Um and your actions, you'll be so good at determining one after another that you will get to the point where, guess what? You will run out of unluck. You sure will. You will run out, outrun. Uh, it won't catch you. <laughs> the unluckiness, the unfortunateness of life, if you will. And you'll land into a favored destiny. It will be a chain of conscious events that lead to this fate of self-perpetuating luck. And that is when people start to look at you and they are saying, they, they give you terms like Midas touch. And like I said yesterday, when you operate in this, this fourth type of luck with the uh, strong muscle of judgment and the, um, the self, uh, rest not restraint, but um, the self ability to, to listen to and adhere wisdom, and you find yourself that you keep on getting blessing upon blessing or boon upon boon or favor, or favor upon favor, however you want to classify it. We can all put those under luck if, that's, if that makes it easier. It almost gets to the point where you look at others and you're like, oh my gosh, I wish you could have this. And even if you try to give it to them, some of it won't stick. Because they will repel it because this type of luck, this type of destiny has only one key for one person and you have to use the key to unlock it for yourself. I did a podcast a while ago talking about how to uh, unlock hidden doors. And that was part of talking about this, that when you get to a certain level, you get to a certain level where even if you want to take your friends, your, your, your spouse, your children, they can't go with you because they don't have the necessary uh, minimum requirements or prerequisites to be in that level. And so this 
Turning Your Luck into Destiny is an individualistic pursuit that you can't outsource. You can't bribe anybody to do for you. You can't pay your way out of it. You just got to do it if you want it and if you're up to it. So guess what, y'all? My time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Spat. Don't forget to like, share, support, and uh, check the show notes. And because this is a daily podcast, you know it. I'm going to see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.